Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will teach us from the book of Exodus, the example of God to Moses, and how to respect, honor, and humble ourselves to a God-defying boss, spouse, or government. Download this message for free at friendshipwithgod.org or download it on iTunes.com. Now here's Tom Cantor with today's teaching message from the book of Exodus. So we've been studying the words that God told Moses to say to Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. And he says that they were the, you go on to the king of Egypt, Exodus 3.18, you say to him, the Lord God of the Hebrews hath met with us. And now let us go, we beseech thee, three days journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice the Lord our God. Now when we look at what God told Moses to say to the king of Egypt, there's two parts that catch our attention. First, let us go, we beseech thee three days into the journey. So we look at these words and we say, God put in Moses' mouth to say to Pharaoh and ask the question. Now, why would God want Moses to say, let us go? We pray you, we beseech you three days' journey. I and mean, first of all, we see what Moses said to Pharaoh, first of all, wasn't not invented by Moses. So this is not Moses' idea. So if you don't like the way Moses asked for three days' journey, and then he left for the whole time. Talk to God about it. Because don't blame Moses because Moses was only instructed to do this in Exodus 3.18. The request for the Jewish people to take a three-day trip into the wilderness to sacrifice to God, it didn't originate with Moses. It was God who did that. It was God's direction. If a person says, I don't think that was honest of Moses to ask Pharaoh to take a three-day journey into the wilderness to sacrifice to God. After all, it was not Moses' intention to return to Egypt. That wasn't honest of Moses. Well, first of all, we see from verse 18, as we said, it's not Moses' idea. Moses was only saying what God directed him to. So, see God about it. But in the second place, it has to be pointed out that God did not tell Moses to tell Pharaoh that they would return to Egypt after they made the sacrifice, what was said to Pharaoh was that he should let the Jewish people go because God had called them to go three days' journey into the wilderness to do sacrifice. And it was never said that as soon as they had finished making the sacrifice that they were going to come back to Egypt. So when God told Moses to say, let us go, God was teaching Moses something very important. He was teaching Moses, Moses, I want you to submit to authority. I want you to be the kind of person which is gentle. I want you to be the kind of person which is easy to be entreated. I want you to be the kind of person that shows by your position in life and how you respond to authority that you are a person that responds to authority. And it's true that God is a higher authority than Pharaoh, but that's not the point here. What is important is that by telling Moses to request permission from Pharaoh by saying, let us go, God was showing Moses that he should be in the mode of submitting to authority. Sometimes very hard for us to do, but that's the calling. That's what God called Moses to do. That's what God calls us to do. Submit to authority. And notice in verse 18 how God mentors Moses with exactly what to say. They shall hearken to thy voice, thou shalt come, thou and the elders of Israel unto the king of Egypt. You shall say unto him, explain, the Lord God's met with us, and now let us go. We beseech thee. Why? He's in the position. He's king of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Three days journey into the wilderness we may sacrifice. We can imagine how afraid Moses is. He's afraid to hear God. God, you want me to do what? 
Thou shalt come, thou and the elders of Israel, unto the king of Egypt. We can imagine how Moses felt when he heard God talk about the elders of Egypt and the elders of Israel and the king of Egypt. These are not exactly people I, I have a good track history with. I mean, when Moses heard God speak about the elders of Israel, Moses thought to himself that this was the people, these were the people that rejected him, that challenged his authority in Exodus 2.14 with the who made thee a prince and a judge over us. He didn't want to go back to them. So Moses is, is glad to hear the assurance from God, don't worry about that. They shall hearken to thy voice, verse 18. But God set Moses' heart at ease to know the elders of Israel were going to accept Moses this time as their leader. But then when Moses hears God speak about the king of Egypt or Pharaoh, it's a terrifying words to Moses. They shall hearken to thy voice. Thou shalt come, thou and the elders of Israel unto the king of Egypt, slaves, leaders of the slaves, and you're going to lead them, and you're going to go to this iron-fisted Pharaoh, and you're going to say, let us go. So Moses hears that. He's going to go to Pharaoh, and we can imagine the paralyzing fear that must have gripped Moses. And when Pharaoh, here's this thing. Now, we remember in Exodus 2.15, now when Pharaoh heard this thing, he sought to slay Moses, but Moses fled. He ran away from the face of Pharaoh and dwelt in the land of Midian. He sat down by a well. Now, so God is now calling Moses to walk back, right back. Moses walked right back into the mouth of the lion, Pharaoh. The last time we saw Moses, he's running for his life from Pharaoh. And now God's calling Moses, go back into Egypt to Pharaoh. And Moses is a servant of God. And Moses shows that he humbles himself before God when he humbles himself before Pharaoh. How should we, a believer, behave to a God-defying boss, a God-defying spouse, a God-defying government? Why should we? Give respect to a God-defying boss, spouse, government. Why should we honor a God-defying boss, spouse, government? Why should we humble ourselves before a God-defying boss, spouse, government? Why? Because like Moses, we are the servants of God. And we show that we respect and we honor God when we respect and honor that God-defying boss, spouse, government. So when we read these words in verse 18... You shall say unto him, the Lord God of the Hebrews has met with us. Let us go, let we beseech thee. Those are instructions for us. They're to guide us of how we are to behave, how we should live with respect, with honor, with humility before authority. And God's going to deal harshly with Pharaoh. We know that. But that's God's business. We just do what he calls us to do. And in this case here, God was saying to Moses, what I'm calling you to do, humbly ask for permission to leave. That's why we're instructed in Romans 12, 9. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath, give place to God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. So we see that God told Moses to ask Pharaoh for just the three days journey, and it was a gentle request. This is so significant, and that's the way all the Bible is. But it says here, the Lord our God. That's the phrase in verse 18. This is a wonderful new title for God. The Lord our God. This is the first time in the Bible this wonderful title for God is used. And after this time, this title, the Lord our God, is going to be used over 85 times. But this title for God, the Lord our God, it's the heart here of something wonderful. It's the heart of the great Shema of Deuteronomy 6.4 where Moses called out to Israel and said, Israel, listen, hear Shema which is what Shema means. Shema Yisrael, hear, O Israel, Adonai Eloheinu. 
the Lord our God, Adonai Echad, the Lord is one. But as famous as this Shema prayer is, and how I just said it, is not how it reads in the Hebrew. It doesn't say that. What it says in the Hebrew is, it says Shema Yisrael, Hero Israel. It doesn't say Adonai Eloheinu. It says Yehovah Eloheinu, which is Jehovah our God. It says Yehovah Echad, which is Jehovah is one, the composite unity word, Echad. So this verse is saying that Jehovah Jesus is one with his Father and one with the Holy Spirit. As he said in John 10.30, I and my Father are one. In John 15.26, but when the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. That's the Holy Spirit. He's called the Comforter. He's called the Spirit of truth. He's called as the one who proceeds from the Father. So Deuteronomy 6.4, the famous Shema prayer among the Jewish people, it's the most recited prayer among Jewish people. But the amazing thing about this prayer is what it's actually saying, what it's actually revealing. With the Shema Yisrael, it's calling on all Jewish people to listen, not on the surface, but very carefully. Listen very carefully. Yehovah, they say Adonai, but Yehovah Eloheinu, it's revealing Jehovah Jesus is the revelation of our gods. Eloheinu is the word, our Elohim. Elohim is plural. So it's our gods. It's a plural word, which means literally our gods. Eloheinu means our gods. Eloheinu means that. So Yehovah, Eloheinu, is saying that the revelation of who our gods is, is the Lord Jesus Christ. Yehovah, Eloheinu, is saying Jehovah Jesus is God the Son revealing God the Father and God the Holy Spirit. Now, I've used the word revelation and revealed to speak about the work of the Lord Jesus Christ, Jehovah Jesus. He's the revelation of God the Father. But when he expressed this truth of Yehovah Eloheinu, the word that he used, the word that's used in John 1.18 is the word declared, where it says, no man, where he said, no man hath seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, speaking of himself, which is in the bosom of the Father, he hath declared him. See, apart from Yehovah Eloheinu, apart from Jehovah Eloheinu, the revelation of Elohim by Jehovah Jesus, apart from Jehovah Jesus, no one knows who God is. No one has ever seen God. So it says in John 5, 37, And the Father himself, which sent me, hath borne witness of me. Ye have neither heard his voice at any time, nor seen his shape. See, apart from Jehovah Jesus, apart from Yehovah Eloheinu, revelation of Elohim by Jehovah Jesus, no one has ever seen God the Father. As he says in John 14, 9, when he was speaking to Philip, and he says, Jesus saith unto him, Have I been so long with you, and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that has seen me has seen the Father. How sayest thou then, show us the Father? So the title of Yehovah Eloheinu, it's telling us that the only way for a person to come to know who God is, is through the Lord Jesus Christ. It's with this Yehovah Eloheinu exclusive way in mind that the Lord Jesus Christ said, John 14, 6, Jesus saith unto him, 
I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. You know another way to put John 14, 6 with the link of this first time given title of Yehovah Eloheinu in uh, Exodus 3, 18 is to see John 14, 6 in this light. Jehovah Jesus saith unto him, I as Jehovah Eloheinu am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. See, just as this title of Jehovah Eloheinu was pivotal in Exodus 3.18 when Jehovah Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. See, that's the pivotalness of it all. And it was said to those who were very familiar with the term Jehovah Eloheinu. So when he said in John 14.6, it was with the intention that the light bulb would go on and that the people who heard this would say, oh, Jesus must be Yehovah Eloheinu, who, of course, is the only way for a man to come to God the Father through him. That's why this new title that we're reading here in Exodus 3.18 for Yehovah Eloheinu or Jehovah Jesus is so important. And the beauty of the Shema is that it explains with the last two words how the Lord Jesus Christ is the only revelation of God to man. Because the last two words of the Shema, well, they say Adonai Echad, but really it is Yehovah Echad, Yehovah Echad, which means Jehovah is the composite unity. It means that the Lord Jesus Christ, as God the Son, is one with God the Father and one with God the Holy Spirit. And the word Eloheinu, meaning our gods, referring to the triune Godhead, is the term of great privilege. When a person can really say Eloheinu, and it's true, it's true. It's a great privilege to be able to say that with confidence, with meaning and accuracy, because Eloheinu means that God is my God. It means that God is my God through the Lord Jesus Christ. Anyone can say Eloheinu or God as the triune Godhead is my God through the Lord Jesus Christ, but it may not be true. Anyone can repeat, as many do, Hebrew prayers like the Shema and say the word Eloheinu, but it's not really true. Many people today say, oh my God, oh my God, or even they write it in text messages or emails, OMG, which stands for oh my God. But if a person says, oh my God, and you say to that person, tell me about him, or you say that someone says, oh my God, and you say, oh, okay, what is he like? Can you describe him? And the person would say, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? And you'd say, well, you just called on your God. And when you said, oh my God, so I'm asking you to tell me about your God. What's your God like? Tell me about your God. Now, if it took you seriously, most people would look at you puzzled because people, they just say, oh my God, without any thought that they're calling on their God, without any consciousness of who their God really is, And just saying, oh my God, without thinking is like saying Eloheinu or the Shema without thinking. But it's a great privilege to be able to say with accuracy, Eloheinu, with accuracy, my God. And this was the real issue for a large group of people who in essence called the Lord Jesus Christ their God. Who in essence called the Lord Jesus Christ the title of Exodus 3.18, Yehovah Eloheinu. And it wasn't accurate. And the Lord Jesus Christ talked about this group of people. And he called this group of people many. 
when he referred to them in Matthew 7, 22 through 23, when he said, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works, and then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Notice how he refers to that group as many, not a few, many. And he said that in the judgment day, they're going to come to him and they're going to be saying to him, Lord, Lord. In essence, they'll be calling him the title of Exodus 3.18, Yehovah Eloheinu, Jehovah Eloheinu. They would call him Lord and then they will say to him that they've preached in the name of Yehovah Eloheinu or Jesus. And they'll say, we've cast out devils in the name of Yehovah Eloheinu or Jesus. And they'll say, we've done many wonderful works in his name, in the name of Yehovah Eloheinu. And then they're going to be shocked to find themselves cast into hell all because of one reason. Those people never overcame the crisis of relationship. They called him Lord, and in essence they were calling him Eloheinu, our God. But he did not agree, and his disagreement was expressed in one phrase, I never knew you. The crisis of relationship is to pass from calling God Elohim to calling God Eloheinu. The crisis of relationship is to pass from calling God God to calling God our God, my God. And the only way to get to heaven is to cross over from God just being Elohim or God to God becoming Eloheinu or my God or our God. And the only way to overcome that crisis of relationship is to come to God with the confession of being a sinner and to let God save a person from their sins. And that's how to overcome the crisis of having just Elohim and not Eloheinu. The crisis of just having the Lord and not my Lord, our Lord. And that's what's described. This getting over this crisis of relationship is described in Isaiah 45, 22 through 23, where it says, Look unto me, and be ye saved, all the ends of the earth. For I am God, and there's none else. I have sworn by myself the word has gone out of my mouth in righteousness and shall not return, that unto me every knee shall bow and every tongue shall swear. It was from the cross You could think of this way, from the cross, where the ultimate cry from God is called out to lost man. What's the cry? It's the words of Isaiah 45, 22. Look unto me on the cross. Look unto me and be ye saved. His first concern for those is that they pass over from just knowing the Elohim to knowing the Eloheinu. And the way to pass over is to be saved. And so he says, look unto me and be ye saved, all ye ends of the earth. In other words, it's not just to the Jewish people. It's to all the ends of the earth, to all the peoples of the earth. He says, I am God, Jehovah, Yehovah. He identifies himself as God. And then he's exactly what he said in Isaiah in John 14, 6. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. There's none else. And then with the words, unto me, he said, unto me, every knee shall bow, every tongue shall swear. He's saying that everyone shall see the Lord Jesus Christ as God. That's going to happen. And they're going to see him as the only judge. 
As he said in John 5.22, For the Father judgeth no man, but hath committed all judgment unto the Son. And in that judgment, it will be as he said, here in these verses in Isaiah, but also as described in Romans 14, 9 through 12. And for to this end, Christ both died and rose and revived, that he might be Lord both of the dead and the living. But why dost thou judge thy brother? Why dost thou set it not thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, as I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. So then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. And that is, it says in Philippians 2, 10, 2, 10 through 11, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven, things in earth, things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. But of these verses here, these are the verses in Philippians 2, in Romans 14, they're all referring back to Isaiah 45, 22 through 23. As the Lord Jesus Christ is the one before whom every knee shall bow and every tongue would confess that he's Lord to the glory of God. And the frightening part about death, the frightening part about death is that the Bible describes death as a falling asleep in the dust of the earth. That's what it says in Daniel 12 too. Many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, some to shame and everlasting contempt. And the frightening part about death is that it's not annihilation. And the Bible describes it as a falling asleep in the dust of the earth. It's just like when a person falls asleep. It's against his will. He can't stand it. The sleep overtakes him. He falls asleep. And then he wakes up and he realizes, oh, I fell asleep. And that's how the Bible describes dying. Like sleep, it's against the will. So dying is against the will. Like in sleep, a person wakes up and everyone who dies will wake up. And it doesn't matter what happens to the body of death. It will wake up. The body could be burned beyond recognition in a fire. That person has died. He fell asleep in the dust of the earth. He'll wake up. A body may be cremated into a pile of ashes. When after that person dies, it doesn't matter. He fell asleep in the dust of the earth. He'll wake up. A body may be buried in the ground or at sea. When that person dies, he fell asleep in the dust of the earth. He'll wake up. And everyone's going to wake up after death, as it says in Daniel 12 too. But for those who have not been saved by the Lord Jesus Christ and who do not know the Lord Jesus Christ, it's frightening. The thought of waking up is frightening because it's to awake to what Daniel 12 too calls everlasting contempt and to be abhorred forever. For them, they only know God as Elohim, just as God, but as their personal God and Savior, they don't know. They can't say our God. They can't say Eloheinu. They can't say our Lord Jesus Christ. But God doesn't want that to happen to anyone. And so God doesn't want death to be a frightening experience. God does not. And that's why God has called out and is calling out and will call out to every person until death comes, until it's too late. The words of Isaiah 45, 22, look unto me, all ye ends, look unto me and be saved, all the ends of the earth. For I am God, there's none else. And if a person responds to God, then that person will transfer to this wonderful position of privilege where he'll say with the words of Exodus 3.18, Eloheinu, our God, my God. And this is the picture of the Jewish people when they come to receive, finally, the Lord Jesus Christ as their God and Savior. And as we see it, and we love to see it in Zechariah 13.9, and it says, I will bring the third part through the fire. I'll refine them as silver as refined. I'll try them as gold is tried. They shall call on my name. I will hear them. I will say, it's my people. And they shall say, the Lord is my God. That's the pinnacle 
of the history of the Jewish people. The history of the Jewish people has been a history of a people who have been estranged from their God. The history of the Jewish people is a sad history of persecution, of being chased from country to country. The history of the Jewish people is a continual hard cry of never again, never again, never again. Museums, never again. The history of the Jewish people is a history of what it means to be the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But that sad history, like one giant chapter, thank God, is coming to a close as we approach what the Bible calls a painful period called Armageddon, when all nations are going to come against the Jewish people in Israel and through a terrible conflict where two-thirds of the Jewish people will be killed by the Gentiles. And then from the Mount of Olives will come God, Yehovah Eloheinu, and he'll come, he's the Lord Jesus Christ. And when that happens, the Jewish people will look as it's described in Zechariah 12.10. They shall look upon me whom they have pierced, and they'll say to Yehovah Eloheinu, they'll say to Jehovah Jesus the words of Exodus 3.18. Only instead of saying Yehovah Eloheinu, it's Jehovah our God, they'll say in Zechariah 13.9, Yehovah Elohei, Jehovah my God. Same thing. And God will say to them, it's my people. I mean, who? It's my people. And that's going to be the graduation day for the Jewish people. Finally, we'll say to the Lord Jesus Christ, they'll say, Jehovah Eloheinu. And most important, he will reply, not with those terrible words of Matthew 7, 23, I never knew you. But then the Lord Jesus Christ will reply to the Jewish people, the words of hope and gladness, it's my people. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much, Lord, that you made yourself a human And you died on a cross all so that we could have the privilege of saying, that's my God, that's the Lord our God, that's Eloheinu. Thank you, Lord, for doing this for us. And we'll forever thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining Tom Cantor in the Friendship with God radio program today. We're offering Tom Cantor's teaching on the Passover from Exodus 12 and Isaiah 53. It's a two-disc DVD production. It's a great gift for Easter or Passover time for a Jewish person or a Christian or unbeliever. It's yours today for a donation of $20 or more. 1-800-247-3051. 1-800-247-3051. 1-800-247-3051.